Hi, my name is Beth and I'm a psychological wellbeing practitioner from Newcastle. I just wanted to say the biggest thank you to the contributors of the Clinical Psychologist Collective book. I've enjoyed reading this so much and loved having an insight into the range of backgrounds and experiences people have prior to applying for the doctorate and it's been really interesting seeing the potential barriers to the application as well and how I can try and work around this. I really started to doubt myself and whether I was good enough to apply for the clinical psychology doctorate but this has really given me the confidence boost that I needed to give it a shot so the biggest thank you ever. If you're looking to become a psychologist Then let this be your guide With this podcast at your side You'll be on your way to being qualified It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast With Dr. Marianne Trent Hi, welcome along to the Aspiring Psychologist podcast. What does it mean to call yourself a psychologist? That is the question we are going to be answering in today's episode of this podcast. And I'm going to be joined by a wonderful friend and colleague, Dr. Tara Quinn Chirillo, um, who is a counselling psychologist. And we're going to be answering this question together. Um, I hope you'll find it a really useful thought-provoking episode Um, and as ever if you've got any questions comments or observations on it please do um, come along and um, talk to us you know Um, so I'm going to be in the aspiring psychologist community Facebook group come and discuss your thoughts about this episode here um, because I'd love to know what you think Um, but for now let me pass over to a very hot Marianne and Tara um, as we answer the question what it means to call yourself a psychologist and I will catch up with you on the other end like to welcome along our guest today, who is Dr. Tara Quinn Chirillo. Thanks for joining us, Tara. You're welcome. So you are a counselling psychologist and also the Conversation Starter Project founder. Yes, yes. Lovely. And we first crossed paths, um, I believe, via Facebook, didn't we? Um, through a professionals group that we're both part of but you're also part of the Clinical Psychologist Collective. Um, I yeah I asked if you'd like to be part of it and you were on holiday at the time and you absolutely rose to the challenge so thank you so much for being part of that. Welcome I think I wrote it on my summit. (laughs) It's always useful to have a little overview of you and where you're at. Um, Would you be able to give us a little flavour of of your career to date, Tara? So I am a HCPC registered counselling psychologist. So I qualified, oh my gosh, I sound really old, a <laughs> um, very long time ago, over 20 years ago. Um, so I started my training in 1999. And back then, psychologists trained in chunks, I did a master's and then a practitioner diploma and then my doctorate later on. So I've worked in mental health, disability. Um, I've also worked with head injury patients as well all sorts of things. I worked in the NHS for many years and then set myself up in private practice about seven, eight years ago. But I have a real interest in humanitarian and community work as well. So I'm involved in a few projects and run one of my own in my own local area to help people 
connect and feel better and combat loneliness. I love that. I'm so inspired by your community work. It's incredible. Um, uh, so we might well hear more about um, about your projects um, a little bit later. But today we thought it would be a good idea to get together to discuss, you know, what it means to be. And for those of you, we are we are not recording video today because um, we are both melting. Because we should say for our listeners, it's currently forty <laughs> degrees, and we 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 are you know we're not camera ready. So I was going to do some inverted commas, um, but that that's not going to work. But um, what it means to call yourself a psychologist and why that can be a bit confusing for the general public, but also a bit confusing when you're trying to become. A psychologist absolutely I think because even as a psychologist sometimes I struggle with who and who isn't allowed to use the title training has changed a lot over the years as well which I think also is something added into the mix and I guess a really important thing for people to consider is that it's not a protected title so people can use it who have an undergraduate degree in psychology but when we think about what we call a qualified a psychologist offering mental health service to the public I guess is a nice way of putting it um, needs to have undergone a certain type of training and needs to be registered with the Health and Care Professions Council. Um, and that makes it really easy because you can look us up on that directory. So anybody who is saying that they are a qualified psychologist offering a service to the public, you should be able to look them up on that register. It's free to access and their name will be there. If it's not there, they are not qualified and they are not registered. Okay, and there are a number of titles that are regulated by the HCPC, aren't there? There are, yes. Yeah. So there's quite a few, which includes clinical psychology, counselling psychology as well. Um, you do, there are psychologists who work predominantly in research as well. Um, and I guess, you know, in our discussion today, we need to be really clear that we're talking predominantly, aren't we, about people who are offering a therapeutic service to the public. So there may be people who are research psychologists, that's very different. Um, but we're talking about people that you would look up go and see for something like depression or anxiety who are offering you what we call a clinical service, really, that might be a very nice way of putting it. Um, and those people need to be registered. And that is so that people can keep an eye on that we've done the right training, that we're continuing to develop our skills and that we're practicing within a robust ethical framework. That's really important. So we all do continuing professional development. We all have to re-register with the Healthcare Professions Council um, and they keep an eye and people can make complaints about services they receive which is exactly how it should be so the framework is there to keep you safe and to keep practitioners in line as well we need that um, and that's what makes a good effort practitioner but it's just not very clear to the public what those pathways are yeah and I think when you see someone calling themselves a psychologist I think you just assume someone wouldn't be wouldn't have a wouldn't have the gall enough to do that if they weren't actually qualified and so I think lots of people don't look into the qualifications and just look at what people are describing themselves as and that is is, is it done to purposefully mislead I don't know um I certainly had the opposite when I was younger that I had massive imposter syndrome and wouldn't want to at all speak outside of my areas of competence it's you know maybe it's admirable that people live in the world where they feel they can do that but it, it can be really misleading can't it I'm so glad you brought that up because that's the thing that I struggle with so I was on LinkedIn literally 10 minutes before this call 
um, and a coach that I know who's now using the title psychologist this week. And that's the thing that I, I struggle with is that people are using the term and it's the ethics of it. So I guess legally, you can say if you have a psychology degree, you can use that title. That's always going to be confusing unless that has changed. Um, but what I struggle with is people who perhaps haven't got a first degree in psychology, so what we call an undergraduate degree, and are then calling themselves psychologists, because that's very different. And I really struggle with why someone wants to do that. Because just like you, Marianne, I sometimes get nervous about am I able to offer things? And I've been doing this for 22 years. So, you know, I really do struggle with that. And actually, on the one hand, I think, should I admire these people that they are bold and putting themselves out there? But then I actually then remember to go back to my original viewpoint, which is actually, I struggle to see how that is safe and ethical and how we manage risk in those situations. Yeah, you raised a really good point about you know, who do you complain to if someone isn't registered or regulated or qualified? And that's not something I considered. Yes, yeah. So I did try to raise a complaint against somebody recently, actually, who I knew didn't have an undergraduate degree and was using the term psychologist to offer an under an umbrella of an, an applied psychologist name. So using counselling psychologist as a title. Um, but because they're not registered with anybody, there's no one to complain to. So it's almost as if if you are qualified, you're doing the right thing like we are, you're actually more vulnerable because people can go and make a complaint against you, which is absolutely how it can be. But what do we do if we're concerned about people? You can bring it up with them. I'm not sure what else you can do because I know that our professional bodies are not interested in that, which is another issue. Um, and there are different layers, aren't there? I guess we could do several podcasts on this. There are some people that are using logos from certain professional bodies, for example, on their website. So those professional bodies, I think, have a duty to be monitoring that and to do something about it. Um, but again, if people are just using a term, um, the word psychology is the science of mind and behavior. So if you feel that you are supporting people to understand their behavior and make different life choices, then technically maybe you feel that you are a psychologist. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up, and it is a tricky subject, is that sometimes when we try and bring this up in the media or between professionals on a public platform, it can look like we're being very protective over what we do. And I don't feel that it's about that. It's not about that we don't want people to say they're psychologists because we need to be very special and a very elite group. It's about safety and risk for me. That's the only reason that I like to talk about this is who is offering services to the public, people that are often vulnerable, maybe not be in a position to make a really good informed choice about who they're seeing. If you're overly anxious or you're depressed, how often are you going to be able to be in a position to really look into someone and to know there's a trust element, a huge trust element that someone says they are, but they presumably are. And that's, I guess, why it's really important that we speak out and try and help people make more informed choices about who they see. Yeah, I think if you do see certain logos, you think that they're credible, but actually, um, let's talk about it. It's BPS, isn't it, that we're, we're alluding to, that you could be registered with the BPS as a graduate member and then you could display their logo. Yes, but if, if you were doing that, the general public might assume that you were at doctoral level because mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to say what level of membership you have. So people use the term registered, which actually is on anybody's paperwork. So when I was a student, you could register as a student member. So even before I started my training, I registered. That was very exciting to do because I wanted to get 
you know, CPD events. I wanted to learn. I wanted to get the job section, which used to be at the back of the magazine we got in those days before the internet became a huge thing because I'm that old. Um, but there is a difference. I'm registered with. You could be registered with any organisation, but it doesn't tell you much about what you do and what you're able to provide and how safe and ethical you are. And actually, when you are a qualified psychologist, you don't even need to now be registered with the BPS if you don't choose to. So the absence of a logo isn't necessarily the sign of a lack of qualification. But if someone is calling themselves one of the protected titles like ClinPsych or, you know, forensic psychologist or, you know, um, sport and exercise psychologist, counselling psychologist, then they need to be registered with with the hcpc and if they are not then you can report them to the hcpc to get that stopped so you know some people are very clever so they have done this research so they know some people i've noticed and it's pretty tricky and i'm sure there'll be people listening to this going she's talking about me who will change their title every couple of weeks and i think that is to protect themselves you know um, some people's linkedin profile changes weekly um and that's really confusing the public mm. as well. Now, the public are using social media to find people, and there's a number of BBC documentaries actually um, over the last couple of years about unregulated therapists in general and who people are going to see and how they're finding them. So, the route's changing. Um, and when people are looking at social media, um, your title, the way that you portray yourself, also can give you an indication of how qualified you are. But actually, it can be a very different story, can't it? Yeah, and with our audience being aspiring psychologists, I can imagine it's quite disheartening to see people calling themselves psychologists and making, you know, probably a reasonable income when they're trying to do it, you know, the actual qualified hard slog route. Um, you know, it's really disheartening. Um, that's such an important point. I know when we were talking about doing this podcast, you know, the kind of first port of call is to think, right, we need to educate the public, but also, what is that journey like? You know, for someone like myself, my course was self-funded. I had to work night shifts in hospitals to be a robust ethical practitioner, and I had to strive really hard to do my best on a day-to-day basis. And there are even sometimes when I take referrals and think, actually, I'm not sure that's the case for me. Maybe someone who specialises in this area a bit more should take that on. Um, and I pride myself on that. And actually, it can be really frustrating when you've got people who don't see that as an issue, who are quite happy to use something. It's often, let's be clear, about the prestige that goes along with that. You know, quite often people won't question the word psychologist. Yes, I'm going to see them. And there is a certain, um, I guess the word robust, that title sounds quite robust. This person must know what they're doing. They must be able to manage you know, my problems. Maybe I feel safe with them. And certainly I know when I've had patients inquiring to me, you know, what are the differences between psychologists and um you know a lot of them also just makes them feel safe seeing the word psychologist so there is something there isn't it if you know that and you're offering yourself out as a psychologist it's really unethical really really unethical and it does make me question why you're in that industry in the first place yeah, when I when I reflect back on my title clinical psychologist, when I use that it's like everything that's gone before me, you know, the good days, bad days, the time I got my first assistant post, the time I 
had some real stress in my vibe room, was feeling really sick, you know, all of that. And then the day when I graduated and I was wearing my funny little sorting hat um, in the in the cathedral, feeling so proud about to cross that stage, having that moment, that all goes with me. You know, I'm a clinical psychologist, but I am years in the making. It's a bit like that Royal Navy life, but, but, but it is, isn't it? You know, um, and I, I bring that wealth of experience, all of those different levels with me. Um, and that's what makes us quite unique as qualified psychologists, is that we're able to bring multi-layered thinking and approach, and even maybe sometimes multi-layered experience from different careers in to what we're doing with people. And people have often said to me, who've had therapists before, oh, okay, you're different this is different you know it's not just counseling so counseling absolutely has its place doesn't it but counseling psychology is different because it's the application of that to clinical settings and clinical populations and it is different isn't it it's it's quite an active process when you're with a psychologist absolutely and you know it takes a long time we do very in-depth formulations for specialists and looking at human behavioral dynamics and how that may impact mental health and our behavior and what then ultimately keeps problems going um, and as you say there is something about quite often psychologists don't go straight in to doing their training they have to do many different jobs and sometimes working night shifts and as you say you know all of those different jobs that we've done that's why I wanted to write my section for your book because I thought actually people maybe want to know what the journey is like and how that shapes you as a practitioner. So when someone's in front of me, I'm drawing on not just my training, but years and years and the character building stuff and the jobs I didn't want to do and the night shifts that I really didn't want to do and then go do lectures the next day. But it's all part of it. And I guess this for me, there's something, isn't there, just about what sits well with you as an individual. And we might never be able to overcome that. There will always be individuals who might be outside of that ethical framework. But I think we can do our best to educate the public so they can make an informed choice. They might decide to see someone based on what they do, but that's very different than advertising yourself as something you are not. Yeah, so if you're fully aware what qualifications someone has or haven't got and you believe their testimonials and you're choosing to make that as an informed decision, absolutely fine. And we really hope that works well for you. This is not a case of sour grapes. This is a case of absolutely. communicating to the public um, you know what to look for and that people may not be as they seem and it's that for me it comes down to risk I have a background in doing risk assessments every patient I see I'm looking at what's helping and what's not helping them in terms of risk risk assessment um, and people who have not gone through psychology training you cannot take that as given um, so somebody who's coming through groups and the problem with unregulated and unqualified psychologists is that they can be running groups and because I was saying before the kind of modalities, treatment modalities have changed, people are running WhatsApp mental health groups, they're running Facebook groups, is that what happens when someone gets missed because they don't have that background, they don't have that ability to risk assess or they don't have the ability to think about how they even would and that for me is something that really sets psychologists apart because our, you know we will always have a good robust framework around anything we do whether it's community work, so for me whether it's community work or paid client work, it's exactly the same framework it's about at the end of the day, keeping my patients safe, or the clients safe, as well as supporting them with their problems. And to me, that's what differentiates us.
Yeah, absolutely. And if someone doesn't need to be seen with a risk framework, then absolutely they can be seen elsewhere. You know, it's stepping down to the most appropriate service. Um, but it's being, you know, and being honest with people about that. So sometimes come people will come to me and I'm like, I don't actually think you need me. You know, I think um, I may be <laughs> more yeah. the money than you need to spend, actually. But they're still saying, well, I, I want to see you. Um, because I know of you, or I, I believe that you can help me. And I said, well, I, I can. Um, but it's being honest, isn't it, about, um, you know, what you can offer, what you're good at, and, and that there are other options available there sometimes as well. Absolutely. So, you know, let's talk money. There's a huge difference in pay between certain types of therapists, counsellors, psychologists, coaches, um, and to the public, that must be really confusing and I imagine at times very overwhelming if you are struggling with something like depression or anxiety for example so some people go to therapy or go to coaches because they're looking for kind of life changes or slightly different things than those that might be in a slightly more risky or more vulnerable situation um, so how do you know what are the differences? and psychologists are usually slightly more expensive than other therapists and counsellors for the most part and it's in kind of educating the public as to why and I guess there's something there, isn't there? That if someone's using a title with the kind of aim of getting paid more money, that's really unethical. You know, doesn't sit well with me at all. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, we could probably moan on about this for ages, but this isn't. It's not the function. It's not a sour grapes um, episode. It's an information episode and an overview of you and your important work. Could you tell us a little bit about your conversation starter project and how you got it started? So my project was a really, I'll say is, was a really small community project um, to help people connect and manage emotional well-being off the back of the pandemic. Um, but actually it has a wider remit now. So the idea is that it's a free community resource where adults over 18 can come walk in nature. So we walk in local parks where we know from a neuroscience perspective, we process the emotions much differently. Are much more different than that bit, much more different <laughs> when you are walking and talking in nature. Um, but it's a really robust framework with a very simple model for the attendees. So we've got a risk assessment, there's a safeguarding framework in place so that everyone can come and have a really safe experience. But to the user, it's free. You turn up, we have different walks at different times in different localities. You turn up, you talk, there's no format, you don't have to talk about a specific topic and it just works. So we've been going a year. And it's just getting bigger and bigger. And the idea is we'd like to replicate the model across more and more localities and train people up to be able to deliver the model. Um, and again, I'm about reducing barriers and stigma. So sometimes if we know we've got to go somewhere and be there exactly on time, that can be a barrier, especially if you have anxiety. So you can come late. You don't have to come on time. We walk the same route so you can join us whenever. You can leave whenever. So it fits in with the other things you're doing. So it's an anchor for the week for people. It tackles loneliness. We've already had people reduce rates of anxiety, reduce rates of depression, you know, reduce rates of social anxiety as well, off the back of all those lockdowns and not knowing how to talk to people. So it's a really lovely thing to be involved in. It makes me feel good being able to do that. I have a wonderful team of volunteers now, which is just incredible, who give their time for free every single week, multiple times a week. Um, and hopefully it'll continue, you know, it's, it's, I can reach more people doing community work as well as just my clinic work, and that's why I do it. I love that. It's so inspiring. And I know when you first started, I can't remember if it was 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock on a Wednesday, but you'd be there. Yeah. <laughs> and it would be pouring with rain, and you're like, I, I've got to go now. I'm off out. 
I am there. Come rain, come shine, come whatever weather, heat waves. <laughs> we are there. And I think that's what people like. People take ownership of the group. So every person that comes along, you don't have to come every week, which is also why it works. You come when you need it. For the most part, people come quite regularly, but some people just dip in and out. Dependent. Some people use it as a foundation to other things as well. So we have referral pathways now with local agencies, which is fantastic. Um, so sometimes that helps people get back into work while they're off work, if they're off work with mental health issues. Or physical health issues as well sometimes, because the walking, gentle walking can help people who are covering from all sorts of things. Um, and it's just really lovely to do. It's really, yeah, come away from time. I never walk away feeling like it's a chore, and that has to be something. Oh, that's golden, isn't it? When you feel like you're, you know, I'd say you're doing it for free, but you have been anyway, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it feels like it's giving to you as well as, you know, giving to others. That's when you know that you're doing something good. Absolutely. Compassion for others is evidence made to help our individual well-being. So, you know, the time that I invest in thinking about others and how the group can develop is actually really good for my well-being as well. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Tara, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Um, and let's just recap then. So if people are concerned that somebody is perhaps claiming to be something that they're not, um, is there a good first step, a good way of investigating what their qualifications might be? I often have a little look on LinkedIn to see what's in their education section. Is that a good idea? So it depends, there's lots of different platforms. So I wrote a blog on this recently, actually. So one of the things I've said is ask them, you know, have those conversations with a robust ethical practitioner, you're not mind, discussing their qualifications with you, and they should even signpost you. I show all my patients, here I am, go look me up. You know, this is where I am. This is where you go if you have an issue with what I do. Um, so look them up on the HCPC website. Ask them what their qualifications are. Mm. They registered. Who's their professional body? Even just asking that question will sometimes give you a huge indicator of what's coming next. Um, and talk to them about your concerns. And, and to me, I always think sometimes difficult conversations are needed um, because it comes to you and your well-being, and you're passing your money. So we're talking about practitioners who are working in private practice here. You are passing your money to see them, so you have a right to know you're seeing someone who's ethical. Um, but have a look. A psychologist who has a first degree can call themselves a psychologist. Um, but that's very different from being a qualified and regulated psychologist offering a mental health service to the public. So they should have doctoral level qualifications. We use the term or equivalent. So some people who've been practicing quite a long time will have a master's degree and then a diploma in psychology. But they will talk you through that. You don't have to go and look that up. They will talk that, you know, and if they don't want to talk about it, that to me is always a big red flag yeah absolutely thank you so much for your time um is there a good way for people to be able to connect with you if they should like to i'm on twitter so i'm at chirillo doctor um and i am on www.drtara.co.uk could you help us spell could you help us spell how we look for you on twitter if that's okay tara I know, so at chirillo capital c i r i l l o and in capital d lowercase r lovely Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for coming along today, despite the 40 degree heat. Um, no. You may now go and recline with an icy drink. Melt. <laughs> <Slowly. Yes. laughs> Thank you for joining me, Tara. Thank you.
thank you thank you thank you for listening i hope you found it a really useful interesting engaging listen tara is certainly a bit of an inspiration for me what do you think about using the term psychologist? Do you think it should be protected? Um, have you stumbled across people who are using the title without the possibly the necessary backing behind them? What are your thoughts? Do come and discuss this with me over on the Facebook group the Aspiring Psychologist Community with Dr. Marianne Trent. That is where lots of good stuff happens um, and it's totally free to join. So come and do that, won't you? In the meantime, thank you so much for listening and I'm looking forward to connecting with you again very soon. The next episode of the podcast will be available for you from 6am on Monday. But yeah, it will be here for you whenever you're ready. Um, please do subscribe on your chosen podcast platform um, and if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe there too. If you're listening on Apple, please do take a moment to rate and review. It really is appreciated. Thank you for being part of my world and I'll catch up with you very soon. Bye. If you're looking to become a psychologist, then let this be your guide. Filled with lessons and experience that will help you get qualified. So come and take a look. It's right here in this book. It's the clinical If you're looking to become a psychologist, then let this be your guide. With this podcast at your side, you'll be on your way to being qualified. It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast with Dr. Marianne Trent. Hello, my name is Veronica Kasova. I live in Edinburgh and I just graduated with a Master's in Psychology of Mental Health. Marion recommended me the Clinical Psychologist Collective when I was networking on LinkedIn and I must say I love it. Um, it is one of a kind. It's like a window into the lives of people on the path of becoming a psychologist. The stories are unique, honest and filled with a kind of intangible wisdom only personal storytelling can uncover. A common thread in the stories I valued most was to be compassionate not only with others, but with myself too. Also, not fixating on becoming a psychologist, but enjoying life, growth, and the final results will come as a byproduct. Marianne, thank you for taking the time to collate all the stories. The book is a true gem, and I think every aspiring psychologist should have a copy on their shelf. Thank you.